Hey everybody, welcome to Video Night Beyond, the podcast devoted to sci-fi, fantasy, and movies that are just a step beyond reality of the 80s and beyond. We are now into year 1986. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host, John's on the other side. Hey, 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 how you doing, everybody? So if you have not heard this show before, John breathes into his microphone very strongly and disturbs the whole audio process. What were you, just eating the microphone? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, so what we do is we pick four films from every year. Uh, hopefully that works. I think we're going to hit a, a stumbling block around 80, 88 or 89. I can't remember which one. Or we're combining them into one. Oh, yes, we do leave some stuff off, but, you know, we can't do everything. Um, so this episode we are picking what, John? Let's see. Well, how about our first one will be Short Circuit. Oh my god, I had so much fun watching this, and I I think a lot of it now, mind you, is A, I saw as a child in the theaters, and B, I have been to Astoria very, very many, uh, a lot of, I've just been there a lot, and I love seeing the locations that I've been to that are in this movie. Well, that's the thing, is I, I definitely saw this when I was a kid too, and I loved the film uh, when I was young, and yeah, when, when I saw saw the house near the near the bridge i just sat there and went wait a minute i think i've been on that bridge because uh my folks now kind of live up in that area Do they so have? i had to go and check and then i'm like i have i've been on that bridge wow yeah it's uh it's uh, that bridge is horrifying but there's another small little uh, piece where they're driving off of the cliff and she tells them you know no repair no return or whatever she says and uh, they hit the brakes suddenly. I've walked on that many times. It's it's that's the little piece of land that goes out to the boats. Uh, if you have a private little boat, hmm. no one needs to know. Yeah, this. I never get to see that area. <laughs> um, but this is a movie where we were going to go see Police Academy three, and I talked my parents into seeing Short Circuit instead. And I find it strange now that we had Steve Gutenberg movies competing against each other. Well, it's because at the time Steve Gutenberg was a star. Yeah, the star. He was in everything for a few years there. It was amazing. Now, I will have to break your heart a little bit. I, in watching this, I did not have a good time. No? This movie is boring. Oh. And here's the thing. There is, no, there is some amazing stuff about this movie, like the Johnny Five, uh, Johnny Five puppet is phenomenal isn't it it? i was blown away about how good it is it is so interesting like like as as a character it has so much personality the the guy doing the voice acting is phenomenal there's i have nothing to complain about in regards to that but for an hour and a half to about an hour 40 ish this movie just kind of drags its feet the entire time and is built on a premise based around the idea that they're making that they think these robots are going to be worthwhile combat, you know, effective things. And they're the shittiest fucking robots ever. <laughs> they are completely impractical. They, the fact that they're able, you know, they have a powerful laser attached to them, but they aren't flexible or anything enough to actually really make that laser useful. Uh, hell, Johnny is able to turn the robots off with a big red button that turns them off just to reprogram them into uh, 
into these uh, three stooges at one point. <laughs> and I just, I, I kind of think about the ethics of this film in which Johnny, this number five, who gains sentience and gains a conscience, decides that he's not going to awaken his fellow brothers who are tools of the military. He's just going to fuck with them. Yeah, it's I, here's the thing is I think part of it is because I saw it as a kid, but I don't think it's ever meant for really challenge. I know that's lazy, and I wish it did aim a little higher, but it does seem <laughs> like it's, it's it, well, it's just meant to entertain children and not to be too complicated. It's more of a character piece than more than, than plot oriented. Yeah, no, it's it is definitely a kids' film, and it works very much that way, and that's why I think as a kid I love it, and as an adult I can. I love the the work behind it. Yeah, and there's there's interesting stuff like Steve Gutenberg trying to figure out the sentience of Johnny Five, and you know he's coming up with tests and stuff like that to kind of prove whether or not you know whether or not this robot is just its faulty programming or does it actually manifest a soul, and that's. That's a, you know, there's interesting stuff, but then everything with uh, G.W. Bailey and it, it's basically uh, you have Fisher Stevens and Brownface, which yeah, that the, is not at the time. Yeah. At the time, it was okay, but it is yeah, it's just very yeah, it just it's kind of uncomfortable now. You just like oh, if you yeah, look at you all, like a, if you look at all of Fisher Stevens's. Fisher Stevens' performance during the 80s, they're all very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, it's still, the, there's, I don't hate this film. I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, knock this film down. But, yeah, it's just, I found it to, it had serious pacing problems and just, it, it wasn't as interesting or even as fun as it was when I was a kid. And in being that way, it was more interesting to see kind of, like I said, the ethical and the philosophical ideas that they kind of want to address, but never get to that point. Because again, like you said, it's intended for kids. It's not Pixar. Right. And we'll see this though. John Badham, this is kind of, I think the end run of him as a serious filmmaker, because if you look at everything before this, uh, of course his big breakout moment was Saturday Night Fever, but he had done like Blue Thunder, uh, War Games, all all were you know uh, big audience kind of friendly movies, not really for kids, but I mean they were able to get a, a wide audience for these big ideas. And they never dumbed them down. This one, it does seem like it's too simplified. And then after this, it's kind of generic all the way through. Um, except maybe Nick of Time with Johnny Depp. But, you know, he does like Stake Out, Bird on a Wire, uh, the remake of uh, La Femme Nikita and stuff like that. So I think this is kind of the end run for Batum. Yeah, I can see that. Although I do like I do like La Femme Nikita. I, I did like... Well, no, his like remake. That. Did the, you see well, the... well, his, well, his remake. I, right. Point yeah, of no like, return. I can't think of the name of it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I did dig that one. Yeah, but, and I feel like yeah, Gutenberg is kind of rough. I feel like Gutenberg is only on set for probably a couple weeks. This is one of those like let's just shoot around him, but it's mostly Ali Sheedy, 
and Johnny Five, and you know that must have taken a really long time because of the technical difficulties. And we're going to talk about other movies with lots of special effects in this one, and this is the only one where I'm completely fucking sold on the work that they put into Johnny Five. Yeah, it's it is definitely uh, the best puppetry. Well, no, no, uh, yes and no, yes and no. I will say it's maybe some of the better puppetry, but. I think the next film we'll talk about has some has some phenomenal puppetry in it as well. Okay. Because they, you know, the Johnny Five robot is designed to have stuff that can give it personality. Right. You know, it's it's, got, it's got the, the ET rule. Little camera, the, the, little the weird, camera thing. That yeah, the weird shaped head and the big expressive eyes. It's the ET rule that they'll repeat forever. Yeah. So it. Uh, I'll, I'll just jump right into it. The next one is Flight of the Navigator, which I'll be honest, I'm kind of shocked that you had never seen because, like, for me, this this was the film of my childhood. Well, that and uh, The Cat from Outer Space, but uh, Flight of the Navigator is definitely one of the films I've seen the most. And I, for some reason, I, I always feel it's longer than it is. And then one of my, not the this time I watched it, but the last time I saw it, I was surprised at kind of how long it took to get to the spaceship. Yeah. Because it always felt like that was the largest piece of the film, the, the adventure in the ship, and it's halfway through the film where you finally get all the stuff with Paul Rubens as the as the ship's computer and all that stuff. Yeah, I've only ever seen maybe a few minutes of that part. I thought that was the whole movie, basically. And when I watched it this time, yeah, this like, like I said, I've never seen this before, just bits and pieces. And I really enjoy this. Um, I do think once they start making the robot voice more Pee Wee esque, I was I was like, eh, I don't know if that's the decision I would make uh, because he's kind of annoying. Uh, but I, I enjoyed everything. <laughs> it's it's like a kid. Um, what's the show? Are you afraid of the dark? Like a Twilight Zone version for kids. Um, because you spend the first half of the movie going, what is happening? What is going on? How did this kid get here? How does he not remember any of this? How is his brain linked up to the computer? How is it doing all the talking for him? Who is who is calling for him? I loved that part. More than the actual, hey, I'm in the ship now and I'm exploring, which was fun, but not as good as the first half. But where I was going with the the uh, robot, the puppetry and stuff like that, you have Max, the computer that's ultimately... Voice, well, it is completely voiced by Paul Rubens, but not doing a Pee Wee voice until they uh, he gets some of the kid's personality, which then, yeah, that's why he becomes an annoying little annoying child, is because the boy's an annoying child. Uh, but He's better he, than most he, children at the time, because you know in the 80s most child actors were fucking abysmal, just theatrical, stagey acting. And he's actually kind of decent. I didn't realize that he's the same kid from Runaway with Tom Selleck from two episodes ago. I didn't. I actually didn't even make that connection, honestly. But then again, I think a lot of that film kind of got blanked out in my head. <laughs> but uh, but let's talk about the the Max the puppet is also very expressive, but it has a lot less to work with because it's effectively an eye, and it's got a little bit of what could be thought of as a brow. Or slash mouth, but beyond that, it's it's a surprisingly, you know, engaging puppet as well. Yeah, it's and really good. All the stuff, all the stuff in the ship is. In, I'm not necessarily talking about the the creatures that it's, that they're 
uh, that they have collected, but just the ship itself, like the little seat and stuff. Yeah, well, whoever put in the production it's, design made something so unusual, so uh, interesting in its own inner workings, and it's CGI on the outside, and they picked a design that works really well for CGI because it looks fresh, clean, and almost... I don't want to say organic, but there's something like shell-like, like an organic shell, because it looks different than most spaceships. Yeah, because it's this kind of like saying it's like a shell. Yeah, it's like almost a seashell shape until it uh, turns into a Corvette and uh, jets around, and that's it's not a great effect. But I mean, you're going like very early, early CG, long before they even you know before the uh, creatures from the abyss and in T2, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, but it somehow manages to look very interesting. And, again, it, it's doing the shifting, this little morphing thing from one shape to another. And for the most part, it feels, you know, pretty... still feels like it has some kind of weight to it and some sort of definition in this... in the space that's around it. But it's uh, what was it? There was one thing that, not just the puppets and all that. There was, oh, the when it when it uh, lowers its little uh, its little staircase. Now oh. that's you know the actual the actual morphing effect is not that good. But when you have a physical staircase there, that looks amazing because it does look like these pieces are just floating in the air. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. Maybe invisible wires and they put their weight on it. I. Or they, that's not how they did it because maybe it literally is just like some sort of optical illusion that makes you think like it, maybe there's clear plastic, but it's really good. Yeah, it it tripped me out because I I remember that that staircase, but I didn't remember it being that good. But yeah, this but this is also a film I think one of the people on Twitter uh, brought this point up, and I agree 100. percent As a kid. You're all about the kid and the adventure and, and how cool a spaceship is. You become an adult, and this kid is taken from his home and dropped back eight years later. And you can't, you know, you can't imagine, well, you can't imagine being an adult, what it'd be like for the parents. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, their kid just disappears, and then eight years later... He's, you know, he's back, and he looks exactly the same, and it's, it's a mindfuck. Yeah, it's truly jarring for everybody involved. But yeah, they, they do make an importance of focusing on the parents for a while and their loss and their their gain. But what what they're gaining back is something that's so confusing to them. Yeah, and it's like his, yeah, like a little brother who, when when he's there's like what, he's like seven years old, I think, and then no, no, he's. It's eight years, so he was like nine years old, and then uh, when he comes, when our kid comes back, it's now a seventeen-year-old teenager who's like, "You're exactly as I remember you. I, I'm sorry, I scared you in the woods. It's insane what's happening." Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting episode uh, movie. It's, it's more complicated than most of Disney stuff at the time, I would say. I, and it's, it only did like fourteen million, which is a shame. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those ones that you can you kind of see where in the '80s with like you know black hole. Uh, well, I think yeah, that was '80. Uh, black hole that 
the uh, Black Cauldron stuff that Dizzy was trying to do, and you know, trying in some cases trying to be more mature, but not understanding how to do it at the time. Now, one that I think you hated, I'm pretty sure, Oof. was Howard the Duck. I love this as a child. I've seen this so many times to the point where my uncle purposely erased it because he was sick and tired of me watching it. I understand now this movie's not good. It's very, very difficult to get through. It's long as shit. I don't understand how it's so expensive because the special effects just... I'm, I'm sorry, a $15 million movie called Short Circuit had better puppetry and better special effects than Howard the Duck. It's just exhausting, and the jokes are not funny. You know what? This is a terrible, terrible movie. It's a piece of crap. I actually kind of enjoyed watching it. Oh, but like for the shits and giggles? I mean, I love some it, shitty movies. No, no. There's, there's very little in this film that is genuinely good. Like, that's... Yet it does try things which is to its benefit and to its detriment and yes there's nothing funny about about the jokes oh, i'm sorry no there's one joke that's fun uh, where jim jeffries as he gets possessed by this interdimensional evil thing uh they uh he howard and leah thompson uh stop at this diner and howard freaks out because they're serving him eggs and you know those are baby chickens uh -huh. so they're feeding they're feeding him cooked babies and you know all of a sudden a bar fight happens howard's getting his ass kicked and leah thompson wants this you know interdimensional being to help him and he's they took my eggs and he just he doesn't want to help because he didn't get to have his eggs and that genuinely made me smile i thought that was the delivery was great the fact that it's just such a little belligerent, uh, childlike thing that this creep, this creature that's supposed to, you know, I'm come, I've come to destroy your world, and I am evil. I'm, I am a, like a god unto you. Is just so petty that he's not going to do anything because he didn't get breakfast. Yeah, yeah, he must have been tortured that whole production. Also, the special a... effects must have been brutal for him. Yeah, it. Uh, there's also like uh, there's a scene where it's the only time I genuinely think the puppetry actually works for the character, and that's uh, where you get uh, Howard and and Leah Thompson's character in in the in her apartment for the first time, uh -huh. and and he's pissed off because you know he's he's in this world that he doesn't get surrounded by hairless apes, and she's kind of treating him you know, like I I've never had a pet before. He's like, yeah, fuck you. You know, kind of, that kind of uh, being just pissed off. And he's, you know, starts talking about, you know, they start having a conversation about, you know, who was he? And, you know, I went, you know, I went to medical school. I was going to be a doctor, but I didn't want to do that. So, and it's the puppetry, the the guy in the suit, the, the voice, the guy doing the voice. All of that actually comes together and actually delivers a pretty good scene. Yeah, I Even will say that that does times, work. Yeah. yeah, she's she's not great all the time in it, but you know you're having to in this really terrible, you know, film. And well, let's also say it's also worth watching just only because Leah Thompson is extremely hot, and <laughs> there's a lot of 
stuff where she's wearing clothes that are very or not wearing clothes that are very very nice yes. for people who <laughs> put that the nicest way possible <laughs> um, I, I mean the crimped hair come on man come on crimped hair is fantastic although it's got Tim Robbins in one of his first roles and he is worst things ever and it's like I get it y'all have to start somewhere but he cranks it up to the fucking sky he uh, he is possibly one of the absolute worst you know things I could have imagined him ever doing or being in or anything it's it's unfucking believable that he ever acted after that film Technically, it's unbelievable that anyone acted after this movie, too, but... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, George Lucas's first real big um, egg. Ah, 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 ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally <laughs> I'm done, sneaks, sorry. Looks <laughs> like a bad one. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I just remember watching it so many times and loving it, and I watched it this time, I was like, no. I mean, I thought the special effects were cutting edge. I would say the monster at the end is really interesting, but it... I, I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't even top-notch uh, stop-motion. No, no. It it doesn't... It, like I said, it's not a good movie. There's... Most of it's bad, but for some reason, I... It just entertained me, and I was watching it with, with one of my nieces, and I will say this, she did say the funniest thing ever, which was, in the beginning, again, where they're first in the apartment, and she, you know, they're... Howard falls asleep on the couch. Leah Thompson goes through his wallet and, you know, sappy music is playing. And she's like, oh, God, don't let them fall in love. <laughs> By the way, and I didn't I know went, for years. I paused the movie. I had no idea for years what that condom was. No clue. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the good things that kind of went over her head, of course. And she wasn't paying attention when duck boobs happened, so... <laughs> Cause that that probably was would have been a little little jarring and scarring. Yeah, squirming. God, this movie's rated PG. Why is Howard the Duck rated PG? Because it was 1986. You'd get away with a lot more back then. There was PG-13 at that point. I know. I know. I know. But how about we move on to what was definitely the best film of the lot and that is aliens oh yes um i forgot i didn't watch this but i've seen it so many times i have it memorized so yes i still say it's the best of the bunch i know some people are like starting to get crazy about the third one i'm okay with the third one it was the first one i watched well, third but... one if you watch the assembly cut it is a better film yeah, it's it's the aliens. Um, when I saw it, I was completely enraptured. I was exhausted emotionally. It just blew me out of my fucking socks, and I became like obsessed with it. I watched it all the time. Yeah, it's. I, I I don't think it's my favorite one. I'll still go. The first film is better for me because I like the fact that it's a horror film. It's a it's a haunted house in space. It's. It's a film where 40, a 45-minute build and then the next 45 minutes is all, you know, no-holds-barred tension. But in watching this, because I, and I watched the extended director's cut, which is, I think, the definitive version of the film, even though 
there's stuff I would have cut from that. I think there should kind of be a happy medium between the two. But I, there's I forget how well Cameron can build tension. Yeah. Because this film is definitely intense and it like like Alien before it we spent a good amount of time building up to the reveal of the aliens and then once it happens it's you know no holds barred it's just whereas Alien was a horror film this is more of an action film right it's supposed to be what a metaphor for Vietnam right yeah yeah because the space marines are all decked out in with their weapons kind of looking as though they were like from Vietnam they personalized all their gear and stuff and it's and again, it's also a highly, you know, sophisticated military thing being taken out by, you know, effectively, you know, the the least, uh, you know, technologically advanced, you know, being. Right. But it's well, I have to ask you something. If you, the end of the film, the al- the alien queen gets jettisoned from the film. Like. From the film, gets <laughs> Justin from the the ship. Would that have actually killed the alien? Because mm, these things, oxygen. Yeah, these things are like truly the like in the first film, the the alien is stuck, is shoved into the engine and is blown away. So okay, it's completely destroyed. This one is just jettisoned down to space, and it's been described many times as basically these are the perfect life form it's the you know designed to exist in the most harshest of conditions it's a tough bastard to kill does it really need to breathe yeah it doesn't mean it's dead it's just still floating around one day it's just gonna land (laughs) well maybe the atmosphere would have burned it up maybe that was well but if you end up having some you know just you can have a sequel where someone just randomly, you know, it bumps into a ship. People are like, what the heck is that? Oh, we got hit by something. What is it? Oh, look, let's go. Let's go pull this thing in. Or it bumps in the ship and bleeds acid and eats, gets its way in. And right, then, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I would say a lot of the what works for this movie. Not is, is it just the fact that, you know, you got Cor- Corman. Oh, my God. Oh, my, just I quit the show. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassment. I was thinking of Corman because of the next person, but uh, James Cameron worked on Battle Beyond the Stars, where he met James Horner, who was doing the soundtrack, and he brings him over to Aliens. And I think he really just—I mean, that that music got used in every trailer for like a decade. Do you remember even up through like uh, from Dust Till Dawn? Oh, yeah. Was that dun 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 dun. dun. And uh, Stan Winston's special effects are amazing. I just really think it cranked up the notch, and uh, it, it is my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, it's like I said, it is such an amazing film, and either version, you know, of the film is is worth seeing. But you, I really think, out of anything that was cut from from the film that's in that extended cut, it's the whole Ripley's uh, daughter stuff. Yes. And the and the two and the gun sequence, the uh, little turrets that are in the tunnels, uh-huh. because it's like you need you need that additional scene where it's like you know the aliens know where they are, they're coming to get them, but it you know, kind of have this in the theatrical cut, it's just a 
oh, the aliens forgot about it. And it's scary how close they get. Right. Yeah, that's one of the most tension-filled because, like, that means they're right inside the room. That isn't possible. I mean, this movie is so quotable. You know, like, game over, man. Game over. Put her in charge. Uh, it's just so funny. Like, oh, yeah. we would joke about this all the time. And, of course, this is the one that really influenced everything because there's so many different, you know, sequels to this movie game-wise. Um and, and you see a lot of influence later, like in Starship Troopers. They're literally stealing the scene where he's like, come and get some, come and get some. You too, you too. You know, like stuff like that. You see, though, that um, emphasis yeah, well, in a like, lot of... I, the, you talk about... Well, it's like you're, you're talking about quoting, especially. It's like... Oh, sorry. There's a delay on your end or something because it, it, it's possible. Actually, Go ahead. We're you. talking over each other now. Yeah, it's like I lost you for a second. Go ahead. I'm, it's fine. Go ahead. Uh oh. Oh no, it's right in the room! No, no, no. It's, it's right outside the door! John! <laughs> Seal it off! <laughs> oh, I, you're back! You're back! No, the sound. The sound was just like the little uh, reader, the little, little locator thing in Aliens. I love it. <laughs> They're in the room! <laughs> they mostly come out at night. Mostly. mostly. Yeah, it's such a fun movie. Paul Reiser, man, he eats shit in that movie and deserves every little bit of it. Damn you, Garvin! Oh, such such the the wormiest fuck ever. So much so that I was almost a hundred percent certain that he was going to be one of the villains in uh, uh, what's it called in Stranger Things season two. Yeah. When they had oh, him in yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I can see that. I was thinking that too. Although, as he was as. No, no, I don't want to go into a separate tangent. That would just be silly. Rain myself in. Yep. All right, what is our fourth and final film? That was our fourth and It was? And was it not? Hold on. How Navigator. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. By the Navigator, Short Circuit. Yeah. I'm going, wait a minute. Was I supposed to see another film? Nope, I forgot. Sorry, everybody. Okay, so we'll be back soon with the 1987 episode. We're soon going to be lined up with almost every show. I'm trying to get everybody on the same year. That way I don't constantly have to keep going back. So we're right now on Hit Rewind, we're mostly in 1988. And with you able to do the episodes a lot faster than everybody else, we're able to catch up. Now I got this one guy who we do all the thrillers and horror movies with. We're still stuck in 1980 fucking two. <laughs> so I don't think we're ever going to catch up. Though I will say this, in the 90s, there's hardly any horror movies or thrillers worth talking about. So we're going to jump ahead pretty fast. What? You mean you're not going to talk about the greatest film of all time? The Wishmaster. Lawnmower Man? <laughs> no, we did that on Trash Cinema. We did both Lawnmower Mans. I don't know. I think that still needs to be revisited. No, no, every no, no, couple of no, months. no, 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 no. Just no, just no, no, no. Even not even the director's <laughs> cut. No. All right, everybody, that is it for tonight. Have a good uh, evening. And John, where we can check you out? I am on Twitter. Look me up. Musician M Y U Z I S H I O N. I'm also on Twitch streaming games under the same name. Actually, I should for once just plug the Retro Rocket. It's at Retro Rocket Entertainment. Uh, even though I changed the name a long time ago to Hit Rewind, I have no idea how to change my Twitter handle, so never mind. Um, but you'll find everything there. We do daily polls, sometimes a little risque, but mostly it's about pop culture, and uh, John likes to help out, help me pick uh, the topic for the, the day. Um, so that is it for us, and this time I actually mean it. Have a good night. Have a good one.